amazing. I just got Okay, welcome to our new look. Your aunties could never. <laughs> Temporary measures, don't worry. But anyway, hi guys. This is your Aunties Good Never, episode 28, everybody. I'm Auntie AK and I'm here with. Hi, I'm Auntie Farah. I'm Auntie Nana. And I'm Auntie Shade. Hi, everybody. Hi, my aunties. Um, how is everybody? <laughs> everybody? Good. Yeah, good. Good. Busy. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've all had busy weeks. Auntie Nana, who are you welcoming into the Your Aunties Could Never family this week? Okay, so this week, um, an honourable mention goes to Uncle Tyler Perry for making it into the Billionaires Club. Yeah, you know, as controversial as Tyler Perry is, really, he's done a lot for from his humble beginnings to being a billionaire and creating jobs and wealth for so many black people. So we salute Uncle Tyler Perry. Whoop, whoop, Uncle Tyler. Uncle Tyler, hats and off to you. And Auntie Mardia. Mardia, what's with you? Mardia, man. Mardia. 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 Like, you know in Family Guy where, where what, is, what does he say? He says whip or something really strangely. Um, the little, what's the kid? Stewie. Stewie. Yeah, he just changes that word. That's you. That's that. Yeah, like, when he says yeah. whip or something, like, he says yeah, yeah. That's you. Auntie you Marbella. Yeah. Marbella, like, who? Marbella. Who says that? As an American. As an American thing. Yeah, in America. Marbella, Marbella, no. It just came out like, okay, Madia. See, Madia sounds weird to me. Oh, it's Madia. It's Madia. Madia. No, I know what it. I know what it is. But... <laughs> hey, Ma. You don't say Ma or Madia. It's Hey, Ma. So I say Madia. No. Okay. What have you heard, guys? <laughs> okay. Right. So, <laughs> Joe Budden, a bit of a controversial character. We're putting aside. At the moment, his current allegations for wife beatery against Tahiri, putting that aside at the moment because he's saying that, you know, they beat each other. We don't know what's going on there at the moment. We're putting that aside. But, you know, he's a controversial guy and he's got a big mouth. He talks a lot. He has a podcast. He gets paid to talk. So, do you know yeah. what I mean? He's putting it to good use. And he is currently very vocal about his, he's disgruntled with uh, Spotify. So the Joe Budden Show podcast has been on Spotify for the last two years. And it turns out that they keep moving the goalposts. So in the beginning, they said, oh, you know, you can have a look at data. You know, do you know what I mean? They were totally transparent. And slowly but surely, all the people that he set up the deal with, they left the company or be reassigned. And the powers that be are changing the goalposts of what they're supposed to do. So they were supposed to, you know, get a bonus when they hit certain numbers, etc., kind of thing. That didn't happen. They haven't taken a proper break in the time. And they've got uh, maybe about five shows left at the moment. And he's basically saying, you will not see me on this platform again because these guys are basically exploiting me. They're changing the goalposts. It's not about the money. We built this. We've been number one for how long? You know, I own the IP. You should be coming to me with really decent deals. So my question is, do you think that platforms like this 
exploit black, black culture? And if so, is there any way out of this kind of cycle? So I interviewed a woman called Renee Richardson, who is a founder of Broccoli Content, a podcast that produces other podcasts. She did one with Renee Edo Lodge, who did, and they had like a nine, I think it was a nine series podcast about race, different racial topics. And she was talking about the origins because she got into the game, the, pop, the podcasting game quite early before it was as oversaturated as it is now. And she said when she first started, it was a bit more creative, free thinking, and there was kind of like an entrepreneurial ownership of it, where black, especially black creatives, who especially who had felt edged out of the radio space, could find this newfound freedom in curating their own content, producing their own content, and being in control of their own content. But then she said, lo and behold, the powers that be from the radio side of things, um, this is even before Spotify and other places get involved, they started to kind of enforce their might and start to sweep up and grab up all the um, creatives to kind of have them under their umbrella to get more power. And I think this is just a typical power play where these top line industries have all the resources, all the finances to just dominate a space and then make it really hard for creatives to have their own freedom. I can't, I, I'm going to have to pause and come back to it, but there was another... Um, situation that I read where another company was just like edging out the market or trying to dominate the market. And it's like that whole thing about free trade and fair fair trade and free, is it free trade or fair trade? That Fair trade. Fair trade, that everyone can just, you know, be in a space <laughs> and equally. And obviously there's going to be hierarchy about who does better, but it should just be a level playing field. If you're better at it, fine. But these things that put the squeeze on creatives, especially, and especially black culture and black creatives, where our culture is so lucrative and viable and accessible and you know loved by everybody and accessible by everybody when people when these organizations see it and see that it's lucrative they just jump on it and then snap it up for themselves it is like modern day slavery i don't know how because about ownership and being able to keep ownership and i think but the thing in the problem is it's across all industries when a few people take a stand against the industry there's always that the industry can always find someone else to kind of replace the person that's taken a stand and I'm not going to say that just for black people. I'm sure it's for all groups that, you know, everyone needs to be on the same page. I admire the stance that he's taken, really. Like, I think um, Joe Budden owning his podcast and really making a lane for himself. And from what he's saying, it is like Spotify just wanted to own. They wanted to take over. So basically, they wanted to purchase it from him where he's like, no, I want I want shares in this new event. Um, revenue stream as he was one of the first podcasts that got signed up by them so I think it's important that you keep your integrity and your you know the value of your product and especially where he's come from music it makes sense that he's going to be way more cautious for that model to be implemented again in a free creative space I definitely think as black people we have to be really cautious to not just accept the paycheck from these people because then it's like um you know, the two gay guys, Ricky Thompson. Oh, yeah. Denzel. 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 I can't remember what Denzel's surname is. but um, Denzel Dion. Denzel Dion. And, you know, they are so popular on Instagram. You know that they have a, a market. You know that they have an audience. And you're giving them a paycheck. Really, they should have been looking to create their podcast. Yeah. And then you want a share in somebody's platform, not that they can purchase you because then it's not yours, it's theirs. So I, I, I admire Joe for taking this stand, really do admire him. It was disappointing that Charlemagne 
um, criticised him for it as another black man. So what did he say? Charlemagne was like, this is a Joe problem. Because you know Joe walks out on deals. Like He, he kind of cuts <laughs> contracts. But, but then if the contract is a bit of slavery, I think it's good that uh, somebody is there to be like, I ain't working with you. Mm. Like He's not prepared to be sold. And for Charlemagne to openly on The Breakfast Club say, like, um, I think this is a Joe problem because he keeps on having these issues. I think that's problematic. Like, we should, even if you think that, I feel like that should be a private conversation that you have with your friends. Like, you don't say it outwardly, especially criticising another black man when he's taken a stance. Similarly, as Monique, people openly criticising her for taking Netflix and Oprah and Tyler Perry to task. I think it should have been like, let's watch where this goes instead of shutting somebody down before you know the full details of the case. It's just about the importance of ownership again, isn't it? We've all seen what happened with Nick Cannon and Wiling Out and the fact that he didn't own that, despite that everybody thought that he did. We can we can see where that's going now. And I think mm-hmm. he's trying to, he's attempting to sue them to try and get the rights to it back. It is the whole reason why Jay-Z created Tidal. So there was a space where black people could own or have a percentage of their property not saying there's not issues with title because there is but it goes back to the whole thing of we need to own our own and we need to support those within our own community that do own their own that's the only way that we're going to progress that's what everybody else does so why shouldn't we it's a brilliant thing that he is calling them out why shouldn't he if it was anybody else calling them out no one would have a problem with it it'd be like yeah that's right but because it's joe budden and you know he's had potentially issues before people are making the thing of it but he's absolutely right he should be entitled to the right deal in terms of what Charlemagne said keep that to yourself we don't need these outhouse arguments do we they know each other you can call the man up and say do you know what yeah like what is it is it you you don't need to go on your platform and tear down somebody else I think that is an issue that we just all need to get better at when I say we I mean we as a people need to get better at because it's not helping nobody about building each other up not about knocking people down for for them fighting what they believe in so obviously joe did respond to charlemagne and basically just said like you know what just be quiet i'm, I'm gonna do the nice version just be quiet <laughs> and stop interrupting me actually i think stop interrupting me is a direct quote um, i think he's within his right to have that energy with Charlemagne because Joe is trying to open doors. He's trying to change the playing field. And actually, even if he is doing it from a selfish point of view, which I don't think he is, it does affect everybody. Do you know what I mean? Especially like the hundreds and probably thousands of creators on platforms like Spotify. And let's just remember like Spotify only has like a tenth of the market. Do you know what I mean? So if they're doing this, then really and truly, like, what is the value? We can see, like, the music industry is kind of dying. It's cannibalizing itself. You know, they need to keep people on the platform. Podcasts are a number one way to do that. Do you know what I mean? And they're doing two podcasts a week. Like, of course, I would be enraged if they wasn't, do you know what I mean? Like, wanting to offer me a huge Rolex. Are you crazy? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, seriously, I'm surprised he's not more fuming than he is. And actually, you know, without the cussing, he was handling it with grace and stuff. So, yeah, Charlemagne, I don't know. Like, I feel like this is the same with Dame Dash. Yeah, Yeah, do you know what I mean? I think it's the same sort of thing. Like, unfortunately, Dame Dash, another guy, a bit problematic, but his message, you know, he went to Breakfast Club and he's just like, you have to answer this for your boss. And it, it's true. And all Joe is doing is trying to avoid that. He's like, no, that doesn't work for me. 
I'm not going to do that. He's not even cussing people out who do work. Do you know what I mean? He's not doing that. He's just saying it doesn't work for me. And actually, as another black king, you should be trying to aspire to the same thing. And more of us do need to own stuff and understand yeah. our rights, especially when you're under that pressure. One point he did bring up in his podcast that um, all the bad deals out there and understanding what position people were in when they accepted those deals. So it's not necessarily about cussing them, it's like understanding. Because, you know, he mentioned some guy, but I don't remember his name, but like, you know, he's got 29 siblings. So of course you're going to take the deal. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, not everyone comes from a, a space of privilege, you know? Not everyone starts, you know, late in their career. Some people are quite young and they need the money now. So you can understand why they do them. So I think people need to have a bit more com compassion in those moments. Yeah, you're right. That's happened in basketball and stuff like that as well. Well, all sports, really, where some people have just taken the deal because they got to eat and they got people yeah. to eat. So you're absolutely right. People shouldn't be judged if that's what they do because we don't know their full circumstances. But information just needs to be more readily available. And as Joe yeah. Biden and the Dashes of the World are talking, that's how you start to understand people. Because, people, like again, you are taking a lot of, not to disparage anybody, but a lot of people like, from our communities that get into these creative spaces, we don't have that kind of family generational wealth, not all of us. So it is a lot of, you don't know what you don't know. And it's, it's easy when you're hearing from your peers who've been there, done that. This is what we're talking yeah. about, legacy building. Yeah. When the peers who've been there before are paving the way for the young people to come forward. So this is exactly what Joe Budden and the like, you know, Charlemagne is doing this kind of rebranding of himself. So I'm a bit surprised at him doing that and just going for the cheap laugh or the cheap cuss because he's been on a rebrand and he's learned on his journey and he's been yeah. trying to aspire to teach people. So putting all stuff aside, there's what's important here. But he's still been an employee for 10 years. Exactly. Right. So that, that mentality is still going to be in there. You know, those hurdles where we really don't value our worth, like really what they have done with the Breakfast Club, one of them or all three of them should own that because that's <laughs> like a cultural iconic show that has interviewed absolutely everybody. And the fact that that is owned by iHeart, that they have that property, that's actually quite disgusting because your labour has produced that. That is, you know, Charlemagne getting punched in the face twice. <laughs> Apparently, as Envy says, people pulling out knives on him, but nobody's corroborated this. But, you know, all of that, all of that stuff, you should own it. It shouldn't be that a corporate has this property. And when you think of DJ Vlad, Vlad owns Vlad TV and again he's interviewed so many people so he cottoned on to that very quickly that this is my property and we need more people like that. If you have got the boss you've got to know your worth like you said you have to understand your worth and so I just wanted to throw in a really silly Devil Wears Prada reference because when Miranda's about like when it's going to be set up that she's got to go she pivots that and uses her power to make sure like if I leave I'm taking every single contact and person that you know with me and the culture that I built, the trends that I set, no one's going to come back to your magazine. So that, I mean, this is a film, but it's, you know, like. <laughs> but it's true, it's true. That's how it works. Like everything works in relationships at the end of the day. And like, you know, if they did leave, they probably, there probably would be a, a gaping hole in the, 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 with the breakfast pub. They, to be honest, yeah, Charlemagne, he's so powerful, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And he literally built that. Not, no disrespect to the rest of them, but you could kind of swap out those people. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But Charlemagne, yeah. he is like the anchor of it. So I feel like, I don't know, people have different mindsets. Not everyone's going to be a boss. I do understand that. Like, but I do think where you can't be, look at other options though, bro. And look at other options in your community. Try that.
My story is Jessica Krug. Is that how we pronounce her name? Is it Krug? I'm not going to speak about pronunciation again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Jessica Krug, the latest transracial person who has been outed. I'm using that term. I quite like it. I can't stand it. (laughs) Okay. Transracial. It legitimizes what they're trying to do. Or just a fraud. Yes. Let's discuss. Actually, there's so many many think pieces on it. Actually, let's discuss that point. Is she transracial or is she just a fraud? Come on. (laughs) <laughs> also, um, she... thing as transracial there isn't i'm sorry no no i have it no. get your question level get your question out and then we can okay, okay but, yeah, uh, I, I do think it's a point to discuss in that transracial or fraudulent but also um what's come to light so far is that she isn't going to be teaching classes this semester she hasn't been directly sacked yet it is under review her position within George Washington University. I'm hoping that you guys have read her full exposure of herself and her also saying that she's cancelled herself. But it's also come to light that the only reason why she did write that letter in Medium was because she was about to be exposed by two black academics who were going to go to the university. So let's just discuss all of the points with um, people fraudulently taking black jobs and performing as black activists when they're not black or latina what do you guys think i am so sick and tired of these people it's so infuriating it's hard enough it's like the epitome of privilege to play dress up and get paid for it and deceive everyone around you like as far as i'm concerned if she is of sound mind yeah then she needs to be dashed under the gel just <laughs> Seriously, because what are you doing? Like it is fraud upon fraud upon fraud, and then you're you're just deceiving everyone around you. And then I just think, oh, mate, maybe this is even more sinister than that. Because why are you even going into that subject matter? Are you alright? Like, seriously, I don't know. Sorry, I'm actually getting stressed. I just cannot fathom people like this. I don't think anyone can be of sound mind and do something like this. It's modern day blackface. She's getting paid to impersonate a black person. It's just wrong. I don't understand why she needs to do it. Like Auntie Sade said, it is the epitome of white privilege because I can't go around saying, I identify as white. And also, I'd like to ask her this question. When the man comes with the lynch rope, what are you going to say? Are you going to say, actually, I'm white? Mm -hmm. Because if you're able to do that, you, you know you're doing wrong. She needs to be done for fraud. It's hard enough already for us to get anywhere in life and to have these opportunities to us for it to be taken away from us is just disgusting and the term transracial is offensive to people who are transgender because it's not the same thing you can't tell me you identify as a different race you can't your race is your race is your race is your race and that's it obviously i read i read it and it was it was just like oh come on and the thing is there's a few things that that were flagged but the conversation I saw on Twitter was, and definitely I agree with it, this um, idealization of light and white people in our space in the black community. That means we just kind of close our eyes and pretend and accept so much into our space. She doesn't even look mixed race. Like you're trying it. I think her natural hair is even blonde, but she, her hair looks like a, a bad hair job, dye job. She doesn't look 
mix. She doesn't, and maybe Afro-Latina, so maybe she, she tried to stick the Afro on top of it and maybe wear a bit of bronzer. So maybe you could think she's Latina, but she just doesn't look that way. And so why did we, anyone believe it? Same with just um, Rachel Dolezal. J Rachel does not look mixed race at all. But how did we people just accept that and welcome so readily into the culture? I, I, that's what infuriates me. And she's not the first or last. You had Mindy Kaling's brother who applied for uni um, in America to get in because he realized his grades weren't hacking it as, his, as an Indian guy. So he decided to pretend to be black and applied. And oh, I didn't hear about that. Mindy Kaling's brother in 2015. So basically, <laughs> he said he posed as a black man years ago to get into medical school and that the experience opened his eyes to what he calls the hypocrisy of affirmative, affirmative action. And so <laughs> it's just, he said he hatched the plan in 1998 after realizing in quote, that his grades weren't going to be good enough as an Indian American. So he says, in quote, I shaved my head, trimmed my long Indian eyelashes and applied to medical school as a black man. Did he say I he trimmed his long Indian eyelashes? <laughs> eyelashes are Indian. They're my, specifically, you know, your eyelashes have a texture, don't exactly. they? And my change in appearance was so startling that my own fraternity brothers didn't recognize me at first. And he said he joined an organization for black students and applied to schools using his middle name, Jojo. He said he experienced racism, okay, and all this type of stuff. I can't remember how it was um, revealed and all that stuff. He was exposed and it all came out. And Mindy Kaling, I don't, I don't even know if she actually came out and apologised on behalf of her uh, brother. I mean, that's the epitome of having shameful siblings when you're in the public eye. And we have another person like Sean King, who's a very renowned political activist in the black community, civil rights activist, but he claims he's mixed race. And a lot of people say, no, you're not. And he's been very problematic and people accuse him of capitalising of every single black cause going. He's very vocal and it's a gift and a curse because he is very, it's like probably like Rachel Dolezal, who was a civil rights activist in, in the NAACP, doing good work under this guise. However, you're capitalizing and making money and taking money from schemes because you are perceived to be black. What is his background then? So basically he says it's down as him being white, right? But then he apparently he's either his mum said, actually, no, your, your dad's a black man. So it's based on his mum telling him that his dad's a black man. And he's like one-tenth or something or quarter black, apparently. But people have been disputing his background for many, many, many years. And he does look a bit like a John B. So I just don't even know. However, the recent thing was, I think it was George, no, it was Armand Aubrey or George Floyd or some, someone who's recently passed. He's recently, he did a post saying, no, sorry, Chadwick Boseman went, sorry, my bad. When Chadwick Boseman passed, he got called out for um, tweeting about Chadwick Boseman, but then underneath the tweet, he managed to slip in his book that he's selling. And people were cussing him saying, you're just capitalizing. And he came back saying, no, I was alerting people to the fact that Chadwick's passing is so sad, but yet if you want to do that, do that separate from selling a book, isn't it? If that's what your genuine thing is. So there's a bunch of people out there profiting off black pain and black access. And it is a thing, there's something about manipulation about how we receive light-skinned people into our community when they're authoritative and are educated because a lot of our i don't think that's how we receive them i think that's how society. Um, more, like society receives them we don't put them on necessarily put those people on a pedestal they go into those positions because they know they'll be they'll be cherry picked and be the poster person i think I, inspires personally yeah personally. i understand that but i just think <laughs> We do have a problem with colorism in our community. So there is an element mm -hmm. there back in the day, like from back in the day when we had post-slavery and we had, I always quote W.E.D. Du Bois and the Talented Tenth, the whole perception that these people are more 
who were lighter in complexion, they were seen like the upper class of society and the more educated than the dark skinned field hands and the people that were seen as lower class. So there is a caste system. And you so didn't know. we didn't create that though. I'm not we blaming it. No, 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 not blame, but the position of it, like it's coming from us, that's yeah. coming from outside our community. Yeah. Those yeah. people are cherry picking those people because there's and a I disagree. And if you look at it like in terms, just like in terms of like who gets picked to, to sit on panels and stuff, that's not generally picked by someone in our community, that's picked by someone outside our community and they're going to go to certain type of people. That's why we see, we often see light-skinned people or mixed-race people speaking on our behalf over and over again like the you know the black equivalent isn't there that's it's not true the black equivalent is there they just don't get the same opportunities that's not coming from us from outside of us it's twofold it happens both ways yeah there's the acceptable mixed-race speaker on behalf of black people that white people white liberals especially will push forward they will go to an acceptable toned skin person but then within black media as well, black media does exactly the same thing. It's usually like black male driven because a dark skinned man can still be a pundit, but a dark skinned woman would, it, there's, a, there's a harder fight to especially be on black stations. They would prefer a lighter skinned woman. A lighter skinned woman will be elevated further. So then if you think about within a family structure, actually it probably goes hand in hand for who you're gonna listen to to have the voice, to think that you can speak on something and not get shut down as being angry. You have to have that confidence inbuilt in you through your family structures to even be able to push yourself forward. We're all perpetuating the same trope so that it, it happens and it becomes acceptable. And also, you know, just as a dark skinned person, when you pick up on this or you say that this is, this is a thing, then you get deemed as the angry black woman. So, so many of us actually just hold our tongue and let this take place. And so our voices are erased because I feel like half of going through the systems that everybody's being played into, I think as a mixed race person with the platform to talk, I feel if you are about moving black voices further, you also have to then be pushing black sisters into the the conversation so sometimes you have to take a stand of no and recommend somebody else because it takes all sides to be fighting this because yeah. there's such a bias for a mixed race voice which is very different to a black person's experience like you can kind of understand but you don't know the full weight of it so i think it's actually really important that you don't take it on to speak on everything even if you just think of the natural hair experience it's mixed race curly hair that is now spoken about like, oh, I'm going natural. When that hair type has always had a modicum of acceptability. But for C, you're still not having that conversation of this hair is still being oppressed and told to press as well. It's like we all have to just be honest that all of us are in it. It's not just white people doing this oppressing, like black people in positions of power also keep it going saying, I, i'm not even saying that that doesn't exist do you know what i mean i'm not saying that but i do think that it is by design that's how the system works that lighter skinned people will get any kind of positions of power or be the voice of the people it's by design that's how they've done it from slavery days that's how they continue to do it that doesn't come from us i get that we recognize the system but sometimes it's always people are put in positions they're not we're not even consulted that is not saying, oh, yes, that's what we gravitate to. That's just a, a product of the system. I say it all the time. We didn't create this. 
I'm not saying that we are not responsible for our actions now and we're still continuing it, but we didn't create this. This was a very, very good way of separating us, divide and conquer. So unfortunately, there are people in this day and age who still believe in those stupid tactics that were done from slavery. It was, it was done to the Indians as well. They, the whole caste system, that was done by the Europeans. It, 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 we didn't create this problem, is my point. And in terms of representation and who gets put where in, on media platforms, it is a case of they get picked by certain people. But again, that is perpetuating the whole thing. It's, you know, you're more palatable. I don't think we can um, take the blame of what's happened to us from what they implemented in society. But we always talk about racial situations and we have to speak about it from what we're doing in our community to affect change. And we do have those problems that affect us in a way that we ourselves do some, and I said, actually, I'm going to remove the we. It's actually more black men. I'm sorry, guys, whoever's watching, to come and talk about it. I think black women are a bit more culturally aware and more inclined to cast panels or hire people or get a mixed shade of voices when talking about issues and things in the forefront. It tends to be this patriarchal thing that happens where even when we're talking about black films, a lot of our productions, you know, led by black men, they do that hierarchy, the skin tone hierarchy, where the leading ladies tends to be light skin and stuff like that. So that's the part where we have to do better in recognising that. I definitely don't think we should take the blame of what society has done to us. Absolutely not. But we also have to take responsibility for our inter-community behaviour and how we affect change and how, because like, that's what people do, they call this out. Because yeah. whoever was brave enough to say, nah, this is looking funny in this light, Miss Jessica Krug and Mindy Kaling's brother and Sean King, I, we don't know what the consensus is on Sean King, but he definitely has looked very funny. It's like, you know, it's black people that are also keeping him in place as well because they're supporting him. So there's a lot of stuff that we need to unpack. Yeah, why I, I, I do agree with that. People who support this yeah. nonsense, like I, I'm just yeah. not here for them at all. They're part of the problem. I think this is kind of goes across the board in terms of personal responsibility, right? Yes. Do you know what I mean? So even like when you're looking at actors and what roles they play, you know, obviously Chadwick's passed recently, but he had so much integrity in terms yes. of the past that he chose throughout his career. And it shows that it's possible. You can yes. be successful, you can get there, and you don't have to compromise your integrity. Although I do understand that people might be in difficult situations, like from the first point, the first conversation, yep. but that needs to be part of your response then. Not just like, oh, it's a great role, do you know what I mean? But there needs to be more thought about how you reconcile with yourself and have that integrity about what the choices that you make in your life. It's down to the individual at the end of the day. And if you don't make individual change, there cannot be mass change. Exactly. Like, yeah. But people like this woman, I, 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 think, I think definitely the fact that she was in that position and had been endorsed by so many other academics as well, exactly. um, threatened people. Like To me, she really does sound like a sociopath. Yeah. Like, it sounds like there's a real deep-seated mental health issue in there. But that accessibility that we afford people where you don't really know their history, they're racially ambiguous, but the racial ambiguity doesn't seem to be placed in question that you're going to put them in a position of so much power that they're, they're afforded book deals. They can demand money from people. Like I was seeing some, some receipts that she was sending people like, you, you've been sharing my work quite a lot. So, you know, my labor needs to be paid for. It's like, 
really like even everything that you're doing you were still able to be demanding money like mm-hmm. your labor needs to be paid for in this exchange when you know that you're lying there was a twitter thread where someone said that she knew the woman and she said that she used to make her feel like her blackness wasn't good enough like well she wasn't black enough she used to question this black woman and black woman was like it's funny this woman's funny but she couldn't kind of work it out and then it's like now she's seen the trajectory and seen what's happened she's like aha uh-huh, now i feel validated because i knew something was up with this woman but i just couldn't place my finger on it and then but i think she knew her before when she was just as a white jewish woman i think she, she's jewish isn't she yeah so, yeah um, no she lied from jump apparently like when she, i think this woman, woman knew her before before all of this stuff she, her her but so when she was in university she had already lied so to lots of people nobody really knew her as as jewish she was then half german and algerian okay she was at university so it's like she's she's lied (laughs) she's just a liar i guess she just doesn't want to be heard and that's the thing people like that they're the worst because they actually hate us but they want to be us or they want they want what we have or they want our presence in the world but they actually hate us and they hate themselves yeah you know what i mean so they're trying to construct this this identity that's why i don't think she's of sound mind she can't because it's such a warped way of being but look at Rachel and also the thing that used to go. What you're saying? I the think she walked as well. Like the thing, the thing that got me about Rachel was the fact that even after it all came out, you still had black women people. I don't say black women, black people going to her hair salon. I don't know. <laughs> I know. So they might be invested. They might pity her. They might, you know, maybe she's getting so much hate that is beyond as a human uh, level. Yeah, as a, yeah on a humanistic level. But I think as well, like. Sometimes we, I actually think it's in our nature to be quite forgiven as well. And also society pressurises us to be forgiven as well. So I don't know. I feel like there should be like black police, yeah? And go around and be able to strip them of everything. And they're not allowed to do it again. Like, (laughs) (laughs) she's definitely going to get a book deal on the back of, oh my God, the other book one, but there was an author. Did she pretend to be Latina as well? There's no point in me going into it. I can't remember. This happens a lot. Of these other reverse benefits that you get pretending to be an eth- an ethnic. Ah, oh, um, if you go to the comments, yeah. from Zell Sugar. Um, I'm interested in knowing what the things were that people picked up on. We don't all act the same or have the same cultural reference points, so I wonder what gave away uh, it away. Maybe the supremacy attitude for sure. You know what? Actually, I did read. It was three students, and they gave their opinion on what it was. And one of them did say it was very performative. So, and her dress was often inappropriate. So she'd wear crop tops or like a crop top and an African skirt, big earrings, like everything was a bit, you're too old and a professional to be dressing like this. They didn't really question her race. It was more, is she okay? Because it doesn't seem like she fits into this academic world but because she's dressing a bit street. But you know, you can imagine it's a bit like a clown, isn't it? It's how I pictured it. She was just putting everything on. She's like, yeah. oh, black women wear big hoops. Yeah. I saw a black woman in a crop top. Woo! I saw a black woman in an African skirt. Woo! Like she just like all at once. I need to get off this topic. <laughs> Next one, Auntie Farah. So my story is about the Twitter battle that has commenced between Cardi B and Candice Owens, shut your mouth, Owens, Republican, <laughs> Owens, <laughs> Owens, that woman. 
Joe Biden and Cardi B did a little interview together and he was getting slammed by uh, that lovely um, Ben Shaprio. Because Joe hasn't done much press, so therefore they were saying of all the people that he went in to, to be interviewed by, he got interviewed by this stripper. She's a stripper rapper. And basically, wow. um, Candy saw this and said that she's illiterate, black people are stupid. Just because he can sit down with an illiterate rapper doesn't mean anything. She went on her rampage again about how this is the way that the Democrats use black individuals. They push them to the front to make everyone feel like Yes, you should vote for them, but they've got an agenda. The problem that I've got with that is, does she not think that she's doing the same thing? Exactly. <laughs> how, how do you feel about this? Because I could go on. But how do you guys feel about this? I watched Candice and Ben Shapiro's interview and was like, okay, this is standard Candice. I expect this from her. For a woman that was shunned by... Um, Trump and she didn't have her moment on stage, which to me, it just felt like for the last four years, this is what she's been gearing for is to speak at the um, Republican conference and that didn't happen for her. So I was expecting that she would like resurface and start chatting. I was more disappointed that Cardi B responded because this has made her relevant and she just needed to, the way Trump shunned her, Everybody else needed to be like, we don't need to listen to this woman because she she done her dues like, and he didn't even want to use her. So I really feel like Cardi should have ignored her. But also, dude, she just had no points. Mm. Like Candice was just ranting for ranting's sake. There was nothing in it. It it makes sense that he would be speaking to um, rappers or singers or because Obama did a similar thing. It's like this mm. is a a, a Democrat kind of tool and Cardi B, if you want to open up your platform to whoever you want to open up for, that's for her to do. Like, I don't really think there was anything in it, but giving Candice this platform was unnecessary. I really wish she had ignored her because she, she didn't have any valid points. And it's not to say that Candice Owens hasn't in the past had some valid points, but this time she was just chatting fraff. Candice, I think she's the Antichrist, at least the Antichrist so far, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, let's call it that because Trump might be the Antichrist, to be honest. I'm not surprised at all, like her and Ben Shapiro, like, of course, they're, they're scum at the end of the day. That's what they do. There's hypocrisy there because I swear Kanye went to the White House and was talking with Trump. Right. He's a rapper. It's just such hypocrisy. I also, I think Cardi B... I'm not surprised that she responded. I thought I was a little bit like, oh, Cardi, why? Do you know what I mean? But I'm not surprised she responded because that's the kind of person that she is. I just hope that Trump doesn't have another four years, to be honest, because that means that Candice is not going to go away. No, I just think that what she's talking about, her points, they're kind of just over obvious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? She's talking about things that everybody does anyway. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what side of the fence that you're on. I just don't know how she sleeps at night. I just don't know what black person hurt her so bad <laughs> that you have to dedicate your career to destroying your race. It's another sickness. It's, it's a different version. I don't have any time for Candice at all, man. Seriously, I think Antichrist, man. I missed that she was supposed to be at the DNC and I'm now like, oh yeah, why wasn't she there? And I'm good for her getting snubbed. It's good. It's good that Trump didn't pick her up. Was there a reason why he didn't pick her up? Was it ever talked about? And the thing is, she wasn't supposed to. Okay, but no, no. But the thing is, uh, what they did do is they had the, um, who is the governor 
no, not governor, the police chief or someone, the person who can arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor, him, a black, yeah. black man, that's who they had to speak. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. So what no. message are you sending? When I heard her say about Kanye, actually say she was dissing rap and insulting Cardi B's rap content, but yet Kanye West, for his, all his talents, he has had some problematic lyrics. Have you heard some of his tunes and some of the things he wants to talk about in his explicit lyrics about his own wife even? So come yeah. on, let's not pit rappers against each other. If you're going to talk about rap, then you better go and find the most conscious rapper sitting on a hill in his um, dashiki. <laughs> Don't come and try and compare Cardi and Kanye because they've all got, they've both got problematic content if you're talking about morality and stuff like that. Again, I'm with you, Auntie Jade. Why is she so angry? Because I, again, and also like Auntie Nana, I do see sometimes I get, if it wasn't because she was so warped, I would understand where she's going. Because sometimes she's kind of like challenging people to think alternatively a little bit so it's not all sheeple people. But at the same time, she's so warped, you can't even take her seriously. She's not the only person that does she's, that. No, I'm not saying she shouldn't have that platform to I, be the pinnacle of like, oh, she's alternative thought. She's not, she's no, no, she isn't. I'm not saying she's a pinnacle. I'm <laughs> let me be clear. I'm not saying she's a pinnacle. She's one of many, many, many. And many no, people. Because she's so distorted, no, she shouldn't have a platform. But that's the that's my whole point. And again, as you've all said, everybody pulls their puppets out to promote themselves and yes. appeal to their bases. Everybody, herself included. So yes, yeah. what she's talking about is a waste of time. I actually can't, What beyond all of this, I can't stand political debates and fighting because it's just so much hypocrisy. And it's like, it, they're taking us for fools and they both say the same thing to their audiences, but then cuss both sides for doing the same thing. Everybody does it. Talk on the policies and what effects you're going to change. That's all. I hate all this posture, this, even Joe Biden rolling out Cardi B. Forget all of that. Unless you've got, well, what is your agenda to change things? That's all you need to focus on. And then talk to these people. If you've really made it clear what your agenda is, what you're going to change, and you're going to stick to that. That's all I want to hear about. That's the thing, though, because really, on levels, it is a bit of folly that he's not talking to other journalists properly and you're speaking to Cardi B. So I get her point in that regard. Yeah. But then challenging Cardi B to a debate is foolishness Foolish. when you really do have black political pundits that you could be that are on the the left side that you could be like okay i want to challenge you to a debate which exactly. you have never done so it's just this is all performing you're saying that she's she's being a puppet you're being a puppet because if you was really about i want to challenge black people to think outside of the box to stop relying on the democrats to be free thinkers to see how they trap you in this, you would really be discussing things with other black right. political activists on the left to be advancing everybody. Like you're, you wouldn't be taking swipes at Cardi B for that is clout chasing. I would say she reminds me of Katie Hopkins. Yeah, she's the black version of Katie Hopkins. Because she just says shit to be problematic and to keep herself re relevant. Because like everyone said, she's not the only person that says stuff like that. Because how can you come out and say they're rolling out their puppet when you're on strings yourself? <laughs> yeah. like, makes no sense. She also said in her rant that um, the statistics are wrong and statistically Cardi has more chance by being killed by Offset, her husband, than she does than the police. This is what she said. Exactly. Exactly. Does it have to do with anything? Does it have to do with what they're talking about? Does it have to do with what Biden or Trump are talking about? What she does. 
But she's criminalizing black men in the process. Do you see what I mean? Exactly. She then said that what Cardi is doing is hurting black America. (laughs) What Cardi is doing is hurting black America. But you standing next to Trump, who doesn't give a damn about um, healthcare, who doesn't give a damn about the the million black people that are, you know, being racially abused every day, doesn't give a damn about the hundreds of people that are being killed on camera, off camera by police, doesn't care. You're endorsing this man. You're standing in the White House with this man and your challengingly looked husband. If she wants to debate, debate Cardi. Cardi knows her stuff, you know. Those political people go and speak to her specifically because she actually knows politics. She's interested in it. She does her research. She reads the legislation or whatever it is that they put forward. Whatever it is, she does her research. And that is why she is the perfect person to speak to the masses and to speak to people that are like her and convince them to vote. I don't think there's anything even wrong with Joe Biden sitting down with um, Cardi. She's, she said she's a Democrat, so she's going to vote for him, so that's what she's going to do. When Bernie Sanders was running, she sat down with Bernie Sanders. That done a lot for his campaign at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So you have to go to people who are popular. You have to go to people who can help influence people, and she can do that. So I don't have a problem with that at all kind of thing. And I think it's actually insulting to think that someone who was formerly a stripper cannot have political opinion, cannot, is not intelligent, do you know what I mean? It's not worthy of um, giving their opinion. No, how dare you? That in itself is elitist and it's, and it's wrong. Yeah. Just for, to, for clarifying, I was saying for Joe Biden and for everybody, what's your political game? What's your agenda? He has actually put out a black agenda. It's not, yes. I don't know if it's very good, but, about it. yeah. Yeah. but he at least yeah. put one out. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So he's doing what he's supposed to do at the end of the day. And he has to actually pick those moments who he does speak to very well. It has to be more impactful because at the end of the day, all the news stations, they're all biased. Do you know what I mean? So what is he supposed to He has to use other channels. He can't stick to the, the traditional channels. That would be a death sentence, to be honest. I, I feel like it's fine to speak to Cardi, but uh, I get the criticism, especially in that interview that she had and with Bernie, there's no challenge. Like she's not really challenging them on things. And there's other women who don't, they don't have her platform, but maybe you have them alongside you. So you have Angela Rye or you have Amanda Seals or Jamel Hill. Like you just have somebody else that may have that journalistic style to probe more. Like how Charlemagne did when he spoke to him. And then you got that soundbite of, are you even black if you don't? vote for me like you know you need somebody to touch so that you see their character if you need to win do you do you know me no you don't you need to get your information out and make sure it's received in a positive way to encourage people to vote it doesn't serve being challenged in that way if he's not going to respond in the way that needs to win votes do you see what i'm saying ultimately they want to beat trump Cardi's already said what her leader. Yeah, but it's not about anybody just to beat Trump because a snake is a snake is a snake and they can be presenting like all goodness and light and then this man gets in and he starts bombing people. Neither of them are great people and both of them have a history of literally doing shit to black people, both of them equally. So I don't trust either of them. But at least if you apply pressure Trump is so not going to take any pressure from black people, but Joe Biden may do. And so I can see how you need to be pressurizing him. So at least 
but it's like we're not in the gaze for the shoot down. Neither of them are going to do right. If any African-American is thinking that either of those men no, no, are no. going to do right, it's, uh, it's going to have to be the lesser of the devils. Like, you know, yeah. uh, I would say that may, that may be off your neck for a moment, but yeah. literally both of them will do some shit to you. I, yeah, I totally agree. It's the lesser evil, 100%. I would say that it, then it's more about who else Joe is going to speak to and roll out, if that be the case, because it can't just be one, because ha, whatever Candice is shouting w has been, it will affect some people like, yeah, you know what? There are going to be some, some left people that are like, yeah, what's he up to? So there needs to be a fair balance of pundits that he speaks to that appeal to the black community because we aren't all Cardi B fans. We're not yeah, all, of course. You know no, I'm just saying like how to, how to balance it out to make sure that he's not just rolling out the easy target because Cardi B is a win for him. It's an absolute win for him. Yeah, he but he needs it. He does need it. I get, I get what I'm saying. So it's I think he will do, though. It's very clever of him to use Cardi B. She does have a massive platform. And as Auntie Sade says, she is actually more intelligent than she's given credit for. She does her research. When she sat down with Bernie, she had a whole bunch of things that she made some very good points. And even after he lost, she sat down with him again and she was like, you know, I wanted you to win. Now I've got to do my research about Joe. I need to find out what it, you know, why are you endorsing him now? She didn't just let that go and say, okay, Democrats forever. She's using her platform for good. And, you know, she's showing that she doesn't know everything. That's why she's asking questions. I think it's important for him to try and reach people that maybe are thinking, what's the point of voting? And we need, um, sorry, got comments quickly. Um, 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 uh, so Miss uh, Letang says, you need them all, your Angela's, your Jamel's, Amanda's and Cardi to reach voters. Yes, they all have influence. Very true. Yeah, right? yep, definitely. Yeah. And they all have been saying stuff. So definitely. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Cool. Finally, my one. So Ofcom said they received over 1,000 complaints because of dance group diversity's Black Lives Matter related performance on last Saturday's Britain's Got Talent. So led by Ashley Banjo, the performance saw a white police officer kneel on him, echoing the killing of unarmed black man George Floyd, whilst other dancers performed with riot shields and stuff like that. And um, Ashley was narrating a poem explaining the whole situation. So the TV watchdog of Pom said it received 1,121 complaints in about the show, with most of them about diversity's dance piece. So Ashley was very proud of the performance. He, and he took to Twitter to uh, say like, thanks to everyone who responded positively. However, others said, a family show is not the place to make political statements. What do you guys think about Britain's Got Talent being a platform for political statements? To me, it's not really political, it's social commentary. Dance generally does have a commentary on something if it's uh, art does and they were doing their performing arts i thought the piece was a bit cliched to critique the piece but i expect the uk especially like you know the home counties type folks to complain about this because they want all of that writing shit over there and them eating their crumpets and tea and having to deal with black people other than them jigabooing up and down or singing lovely hymns, they don't want to see it. So I expect them to complain. And I hope that ITV takes a leaf out of the BBC book and is just like, hey, and carries on about their business. Andy Shade. 
Um, well, in comparison to the 17,000 people that complained about the N-word, I mean, why is this even a news story? Exactly. I just think it's, it's nonsense. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not enough to warrant that headline, to be honest, at all, or to get as many inches as it's got. It's just trying to create something out of nothing. It's a handful yeah. of people that were just annoyed, probably, uh, you know, all in a Facebook group together or something like that, and said, oh, this is what you need to do, copy and paste and whatever. Fund them, fund them all. Personally, you know, I weren't really feeling the dance part of it. It's it like, a bit cheese. But I like the message and I like the fact that they had the platform to be able to do it, especially at prime time. And how can you not say this is not, it's a family show? So yes, that's why it's necessary. But let yeah. the family have the discussion. Like, let it be a talking point. Actually deal with some of this stuff, do you know what I mean, within their own families. I think it was excellent that they had the platform to do it. These are the same people that complained about the all-black uh, Argos advert. Yeah. 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 It is. It's disgusting. There's black people on the television. Oh. I didn't see it. I only saw um, stills of the dance. They were right to do it. It's been done in America. You know, on BET Awards, you've had people do it. Why not? Highlight what's going on. It's important for those conversations to be had. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. So, mm. anyone that wants to complain about it, you need to look in the mirror and decide why it's bothering you. That's what you should think about. I think um, it's also that shocking moment when, oh, diversity, they're political, because diversity have been well-loved, especially watching them all grow from Britain's Gone Talent that they won, right? It was Britain's Gone Talent. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, my gosh, these young, lovely lads are now being political about this Black Lives Matter stuff. It's all shock and clutching pearls for no reason. It's very ironic that it's on ITV when ITV has come into, under some fire over the weekend as well for contacting a woman to you know, contribute to their Black History Month event for free. I just want to quickly read her tweet because she literally, she called out ITV on Twitter and said, please come and collect your employee from my inbox because <laughs> a woman, oh, I haven't got it, oh, I didn't get it all the way up. But anyway, a woman basically said, um, asked her to contribute to an ITV project, but they unfortunately did not have the budget for Black History Month. So they got called out oh, and cast over Twitter. So it's, again, testament to how these organizations are using Black Lives Matter as a poster or a sticker, a plaster over a deep wound that they haven't resolved yet or they haven't healed properly. The thing is to remember with Britain's Got Talent and, and a lot of shows, it's on ITV, but it's not made by ITV. Oh, I understand that. That's yeah. something that you need to remember as well. It's not as though the corporation themselves are saying, we're going to use this. They probably don't even know. What because the going to be. Exactly. But also, anyway, but it just comes in hand, in tandem. But yeah. there are things that ITV have done. Um, they did the uh, Black Lives Matter series with some independent filmmakers that, you know, was a, like monologues and pieces about Black Lives Matter. But what are you doing in contrast when it comes to things like asking someone to contribute for free? You know, and it's the head of business affairs. That's who it was at, at ITV that asked this young lady to come and contribute for free. So the, the whole thing of business is, affairs. Yeah. Of business affairs. That, wow. Two ITV studios um, production labels, ITV Daytime and Multi-Story Media. Yes, head of business. If you go to Twitter, <laughs> she's put the whole email with the person's name because I'm sick and tired of hiding. I'm calling out everybody that comes to us like this. So she's again doing a Joe Budden, and not even I'm not going to say she's doing a Joe Budden. She's doing the right thing by calling out yes. and shaming and shaming these people. So yes. just back to the whole thing. I think it's it just echoed the whole. Th people complaining about the um, football is taking a knee in America. Like, who said that football, sports, TV shows cannot be political? And why does someone 
We, it's freedom to freedom to protest. It's what we, democracy, right? Why are these places sanctioned? Who gave you the authority to say that this is what happens here, there, and everywhere? If you're talking about old school traditional family setups, that's where you watch TV and comment on the stuff. You lot aren't protesting EastEnders when they're having all sorts of storylines and Coronation Street going to the, killing people, and all these type right. of things going on. You lot aren't saying, well, this is a family show. Yeah. Only when it's black or something really something that they're not used to, then it becomes a political. Oh, this is not the time. But you can watch those shows with your whole, you've got little kids watching these standards and um, Coronation Street and all the stuff that's going on. Complain about that. Any comments? Hello, Nicola. No, I think that literally mm -hmm. was it. it was... Should we play the intro again? <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> In Grenada, we say this word bonje. Bonje. You know what? I'm seeing bear hearts, bear hearts, bear hearts. Are you lying? No, people are hiding it, you know. I'm seeing bear hearts. No, I think they're part in the look, not the song. Not the music. Please, not the. Bonji. Please, ladies, what do you think of the theme music? It's not, it's listen, I, I don't even know, I don't even want to vote. I don't want to know the results. No, we're not voting. No, we're voting. no, we're not. no, no. So sorry. I think we're going to get champion on this. It's not happening. <laughs> hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. Aunties Know Best. What do we know? We know best. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sitting on a bad boy piece of information. Yes. <laughs> Dedicated to Auntie Shadow. Can you do it again, please? Because I really am. Bad boy piece of information. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. Do it again, do it again. Bad boy piece of information. I'm All right. <laughs> Can you read the comments, please? Um. So, Nicholas says, I love seeing your growth and development. I think you guys are ready for... Versus. <laughs> um, and Mantis says it's an awesome intro. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. We actually need feedback on the music. We don't actually. We really don't. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a dilemma. Let's go. Let's go. Dear aunties, love the show. I work in a large team and I'm struggling to be noticed. This has especially been uh, difficult since working from home due to COVID. I try to speak up in meetings and put ideas forward, but I'm often ignored or talked over. I do struggle to make friends, but I feel like my co colleagues do not make enough effort. Do you have any suggestions on how I can get noticed? How does she want to be noticed? For her work or for her personality? That's my personality. She's not really talking about work. I wonder what she's doing, because, you know, like, in contrast to me, when I'm at work, I don't care. I just want to get on my work and go. Yeah. I'm a bit unsociable like that. In, in corporate workspaces, if I'm working with people that you know, in my environment, then it's a different thing. But I just think if she's feeling unseen, I wonder what she, is she involving herself in work events or is she not getting invited? Who, how does she approach her day? Because when I used to go into the corporate space, I go into work, get my head done and just start getting on with my work. I wouldn't engage necessarily with people unless the one or two colleagues that I really knew, then I'd have the conversation with them. But anyone else I didn't really bother with. So if they were to arrange something and I might be left out, but this, I didn't mind this thing. And I'd be like, oh, but I would know who to ask to kind of get into the office culture. So maybe is there someone that she feels is a bit more approachable, Not maybe not exposed too much if you don't feel comfortable, but maybe say, look, I really want to start getting involved with what you guys um, get up to. If they have pub drinks, if they have pub, you know, we used to have a geeky games night at um, our, my old workplace and stuff like that. And maybe find someone that she can approach or just generally 
there should be someone on reception, like the, 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 what's it, the office manager or the office assistant. Usually they have the finger on the pulse of all things, like people's birthdays, all that type of stuff. So they have a calendar of events. You might be able to say, oh, do you know if there's any kind of office things that go on? Can I be added to the invites? And then just maybe start putting yourself out there. It's a bit difficult because it's like first day at school business, but you just kind of have to think about how, understand the office culture and try and ingratiate yourself into it, I think. I think that's a good suggestion. If it's really, really bothering you, then I think you need to go in on the charm offensive. Everybody loves the cake bringer, the donut bringer. Like <laughs> you may just have to spend a bit of money and make yourself known. Yeah, if you can bake, bake something because people love a homemade mm. thing as well. And if you can't, somebody's going to like Krispy Kremes. Somebody's going to appreciate a really nice new drink that you're like, I tried this and I thought it was really nice. I thought I'd bring you some. Like sometimes you just have to kiss ass and then people start to notice you. Do something. If you're not being noticed purely on your personality, then maybe you need to buy some noticing. <laughs> I just had a thought of like, call out the boss, just do something mad in a team meeting. But that's not the way I'm too far off. She needs to start doing things like, are oh, you guys going to, love? you know, start tagging along to things? Because it sounds like you're probably just sticking to yourself a little bit. So if you start maybe going to lunch, like everyone said, bring treats in. Oh, I just felt like bringing these treats today. They were on offer. Look, I've put them there. They're, They're for everybody. They're like, and so people will notice you more. Ah, oh, she brought in treats. Do it again. Oh, you're the treat lady. You know, just start to. What's the word? Socialise more with people just out of work. I keep thinking of crazy things like, you know, you, oh, you're the treat lady. And if you don't bring the treat lady, when she doesn't bring the treats, it, it could be a thing. I don't just bring treats, you know, I bring other stuff. <laughs> what she needs to do. I'm sitting on a bad boy piece of information. <laughs> 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 That is another message um, to start rumours. Like, <laughs> 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 I'm because we're being right. Okay. So, I think <laughs> definitely what you're saying, Auntie Nella and Auntie Fara. <laughs> no, <I'm thinking. laughs> I gave good advice in the first place. I know you did. You did it really good. <laughs> Um, I was going to say that, like, especially like in large companies, like big corporate companies, it is hard definitely to get spotlight, to um, to stand out and that sort of thing. So I think like you kind of need to offer up, um, if you're going to have to use extra time, do you know what I mean? So That's do right. things like offer to present, do you know what I mean? Because then the spotlight is on you, 100%, right. and you've got everyone's attention. Offer to support on projects maybe kind of thing and the presenting doesn't necessarily have to be on a work thing it could be oh i went on a trip this time and this is or i went to a conference and these were my learnings you know what i mean and kind of like you know put it in the um you know kind of have a discussion about it and stuff but i do like the idea of like uh, bringing treats but that's probably quite difficult if you're uh working from home working remotely so i would think of like maybe organizing a virtual tgif or something like that that can bring people together and stuff as well but definitely if you're even helping the person who kind of like sorts out people's birthdays and things like yeah. that definitely yeah. Okay. yeah i like that idea of getting to know people in one of my teams we had a fun committee kind of yeah. <laughs> sounds really well we did and it was it was literally our job to do activities where people can have fun do you know what i, I mean i like that 
my brother's company does that. He's on oh, it. Yeah. They do all these. He always gets these jammy jobs where they do stuff like you get paid to organize fun days. Yes. I must say, I used to bring in cakes. When I was baking, I used to bring in cakes, not to ingratiate myself. I just like baking for people. And that was a good way of, you know, people, work people tend to be gannets. It's like they don't get fed at home. Okay. All right. I've got one. Me and my girl have been together six months. I felt it was time to introduce her to my parents. They invited us for dinner at their home last week. I told my girlfriend to wear some nice jeans and a shirt. After I got dressed, I noticed her looking at herself in the mirror. She turned to me and I saw her breast through the shirt. I told her I didn't feel comfortable with her wearing that particular shirt. I asked if she could wear a more loose-fitting shirt instead. She immediately started yelling at me and called me controlling. I told her it's my parents she's meeting and I didn't want them to get the wrong impression. She looked at me and said she knew I was too good to be true. I was lost because we never had issues like this before. I apologised to her and said I cared about her and I didn't want what she was wearing to be a distraction. She then said it's her body and she wasn't changing her shirt. I told her I didn't want her coming with me. Then I got up and left. When I came back three hours later, her stuff was gone. I called her and asked her why she took her stuff. She said she couldn't deal with my controlling behaviour. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that she broke up with me over a shirt. Was I wrong? I'm confused. Jesus Christ. No, I mean, she's meeting his parents. She shouldn't be having her boobs all out of doors when she's meeting the parents. He hasn't got the right to tell her how to dress on any other occasion, apart <laughs> from the occasion where she's meeting the parents. Because you want to set a good look, you know, like, leave that for when you know the parents and they know you and it's all good. You don't need to come and the dad's like this, hello, or the mum's like that, hello. <laughs> Put on a respectable front. Not that, respectable is not the right word, but I just feel like it wasn't wrong for him to say to her, could you please just wear a different top? To say that he's majorly controlling, I feel like maybe there's an element of other things there that have happened. Because why could he using that word and going to the extreme of leaving you? just for that one comment. I feel like maybe, if you're honest with yourself, you might have said a couple of things to her here, there and everywhere, if you're honest with yourself. If that's not the case, and it was literally just because she was meeting your mum and dad, then you're not unreasonable. Imagine if you went out with a guy and then um, <laughs> he came to pick you up to go meet your mum and dad and he had like some tight-ass cycling shorts on. There's no... <laughs> wrong. Imagine if he did. And he'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's based on this and this is only time, like, do you know what I mean? And she's, yeah, come on, it's a bit dramatic. Just a bit dramatic. I think when you're in a relationship and you come across something that you disagree on, like, it's never good to act in anger, I think. Do you know what I mean? Like, you need to talk it out. If you agree to disagree, then that's fine. And I think he did do the right thing and went by himself. Because at the end of the day, it's inappropriate and, like, First impressions count. We don't live in isolation. We don't live in a world where everyone, we're now taught that everyone should accept you the way you are, but people don't. Do you know what I mean? So like, he wants you to be presented in the best way for his parents. Do you know what I mean? In order for them to accept you. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. If you be want to be from a serious level, then you, you're going to have to uh, adhere to some of that. Doing a dramatic leave after one thing without even having a conversation about it properly, that's immaturity and dramaticness and um, <clears throat> don't respect that at all to be honest same unless it's some hidden stuff that is leading up to that she's being a tad dramatic 
Yeah, she is being dramatic. I think he's got a lucky escape, really. Um, <laughs> like this just sounds very unreasonable, and she sounds like like that triggered some type of trauma and abandonment when he left her. Yeah. So it's just better out of it. She probably needs therapy. True. <laughs> Hello, aunties. I need some advice on deciding which girl I like from an outing during last bank holiday weekend. Ooh. Before heading to the event for two of my friends who are in their own relationship. They had tried to set me up with one of the girls for ages, but I hadn't had a chance to properly meet her during lockdown. They say that they say myself and her share certain similarities and think that we would get along well in the long run. Long story short, all 12 of us get to the venue, enjoy food, and then we all start making our separate ways back home. Throughout the journey back, I eventually ended up talking to the girl my friends were on about. We like the same era of music, both like action, comedy, comic flicks and related media. That all sounds legit. However, I also started talking to their other friend and I find out certain things I quite like about her. And I felt as if I could talk to her about anything comfortably. Near the end of the journey, I got both girls' numbers. Not at the same time, mind you. I said goodnight to everybody. Now I'm meeting the same group of people for another birthday party this weekend. And up until this point, I still can't decide on which of the girls that I like. I've sent one message to both, and but only one replied. Help me, Artis. I trust your judgment. I mean, it's so early. Um, if I was forced to make a decision, I'll go with the one that replied. Yeah. Do you know exactly? What I mean? Because she replied, didn't it? So you're showing yeah. that interested black. The other one, there's just so much clouds. There's too much mystery because she hasn't replied. So uh, I'll deal with what I know, isn't it? Like, and start from there at least. So because it's so early. Yeah, it's early. You really don't have two options. You left with two numbers, but you have one option because only one person replied. That's one option. Like, just follow through on the one that got in contact. And if you see the one that blanked your message, you can talk to her. But I would file her under the thing of long because I'd think that she wasn't that interested. The thing is, as humans are so funny, you see anyone else would be like, oh, the one that replied. But he's still slightly intrigued about the one that didn't because it's that element of mystery because people that don't, you know, that kind of... Um, what's the word? Play, it's not playing games, not always playing games. But no. the other one could be like, I'm in it for the, I'm not going to respond to him quickly. Maybe the girl actually knows that he, you've got both their numbers. What about that? So maybe she's like, I'm not responding to him. I don't know what he wants. So she's playing the long game herself. It's just too early to tell because you haven't done anything wrong per se, as long as you weren't overly flirting and leading them down a path on that first day of meeting. You are open to everything. They, If they're single, you, you, this is all very early. Go to this yeah. party, talk to them as you would talk to both of them and let the natural conversation happen because whoever you naturally gravitate to and respond, you know, interact with, that is who, and again, it's another thing, we've talked about this before in different ways of what love is in different types of ways and like is. It could be that the one that you spent so much time speaking to could be a best friend or could be the, the girlfriend, we don't know. So it's early days, talk to everybody freely, just let it go, let it go, let it go and see what happens. But the one that didn't respond, you don't know what she's, she could be clocking the game and thinking, it's all right, I'm going to sit back in the cup. I'll be ready. I'll be waiting. Do you know what I mean? So you don't know. Yeah, for me, it's like you put both of their numbers and their friends. The one that didn't respond knows that you took her brethren's number. They are. She knows, man. She knows. They're all friends. It's not like they're not all friends. Yes, it's early. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There's no expectation. But I know personally, if I go out with any of you lot, well, not you, Auntie Nana, because you're married. But if I go out with like, <laughs> the other two and like some man takes my number and he takes your number too, I'm not ringing you. 
you're not serious. We're friends. You don't do that to a group of friends. It's going to yeah. be mad orcs when you go around. Yeah, it is early. And, you know, you don't owe no, none of them anything, but you're not really putting your best foot forward, are you? So I was going to ask, how did he take the numbers? Is it just like, oh, you're cool, numbers? Or was it numbers? Everyone knows what numbers means. No, I know, but... Yeah, I know. But I just, I'm just trying to, like, make sure that we've established all corners of the field. It, it sounds to me like it was like, yeah, can have your, baby can have your number. Yeah, so he's, trying like, it he's trying it then. So he's trying it. They're friends. And that's that's my advice. Like, you're not, the girl hasn't called you because basically she knows that you took her brother's number. And you're going to have to suck it up and, and deal with the awkwardness <laughs> when you go to the party. And they both don't talk to you because at that point, they're both. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. She don't care. She's on it. But maybe he messaged her, right? She responded, and then she's telling her, Bridget, oh, my God, that boy from the other day, he messaged me, look. And then she's like, is it? He messaged me too. I'm not responding to him later. Um, do you want to know why she didn't respond? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting on a bad boy piece of information. I'm sitting on a bad boy piece of information. I'm dying. That was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas.youraunties.couldnever at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. Black in the Day. We play the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one second. Well, we ain't, anyway. (laughs) Choo! (laughs) <laughs> I love it. That's my black in a day. I just can't even. <laughs> so my black in the day is: Do you remember your first name branded item that you spent with your fir- that you bought with your first own money pieces, coins and papers? Your first piece of name branded attire. I don't remember my first piece. I remember my favourite piece and most... I don't remember the first piece because I had I had a maybe like one or... I didn't have loads. There were people in college that had like off keys for days. I never had loads. I had like a couple of pairs of stretch jeans. I had a D&G skirt that I really liked and a few bits like T-shirts and like bodysuits, that sort of thing. But my the thing that I remember the most was on my 18th birthday, I bought myself this strappy, like string, what's it, spaghetti string Moschino dress. And it was like tight fitted and it was short and it had like the sun, the moon, the stars all over it. And I thought I was a bad gal because I just cut my hair and I had the dress on and I was like, hey, look at me, look at me. And I had the white brogues to go, you know, like everything has to be white and I had a white jacket. And that's what I really remember, that outfit. I tried it on recently and it still fits, but that's only because it's stretch material. Yeah. <laughs> did you cut your hair? When did you get your hair cut? Yes, Auntie AK did my hair for my 18th birthday. She cut it all off. It looked amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my first piece was well, I did it joint with my bestie Jessica, and we went to Probito on Bond Street, <laughs> and we saved up fifty pounds each and bought white satin pair of Versace stretch jeans. Oh, wow. And that was our absolute <laughs> best raving trousers. Like one day she would wear it to Samantha's, go in the wash. I would wear it to SW1. It was like 
if anybody saw us, yeah, it was grimy. Now I'm thinking about it, but that's how we shared the trousers. One day you could wear it, and then I could wear it, and that was my first piece of name brand. And then we saved up again and managed to get another pair of Versace trousers. So Versace yeah, together. Yeah, together. We shared it the same way. But this time then, when we had two pairs, we could both wear them. <laughs> I'm trying to think. The one that comes to mind, I had, do you remember Evitsu? Yeah. Evitsu um, but not in the traditional, like, you know, people had like the jeans and the white thing. So I had like this skirt that's like, I think it's somewhere. I don't know if, maybe one is to I'm not too sure. But like, it's, it's kind of like corduroy kind of, you know, the shape, the M is in pink. Okay. I love, love that skirt. But my first kind of like made, probably Ralph Lauren, like I had this bag, like a kind of, I don't even know, like it was a very nice bag and it had like um, thatching. I was into like pale browns and stuff, do you know what I mean? Like beiges. It had like that, but then had like pastel colours through it. And I, I just loved that bag. I really did. And yeah, I just thought I was the girl because, I, and I got it in the States as well. So I got that. I think oh, I got the purse that. as yeah. well. So I got a leather Ralph Lauren purse as well. People couldn't chat to me after that. So, <laughs> <laughs> like I thought I was made. And I, I can't, I mean, I must have been in uni, maybe my first uni. So maybe like 19 ish. I think that was my second holiday that I went to. Actually, maybe that was 9 11 time, you know? Oh. I think it might have been that same holiday. It was either that or it was when we went to New York and that was like the year later or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So, because all my friends, my friends at the time, they were a little bit older than me and they all were designer. Do you know what I mean? Even my older sister, you know, when I was at home, she would go for Vito's and all that kind of stuff. You know, she had Crazy Marsh. Do you know what I mean? And I never had any of that. So like getting my own was just like, oh, it's amazing. And I remember I got the money because, well, I used to write to charities. What? <laughs> yes, I know that trick. And, and oh, really? I know the trick. Yes. Why? It gives you money. Yes, I know that trick. I was in the hostel. I left home. Oh, you know what I mean? So I had a bit of a story, but I used to write to multiple charities and um, go on holiday and go shopping. But yeah, I remember that trick. Yeah. Well, not wow. trick. Yeah, you can get money. This is what you learn when you're in a hostel and you're young. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to get yep. the hustle. That's good. <laughs> crisis loans as well. Yeah, crisis loans. Yeah, crisis loans, I remember. <laughs> Definitely. Remember the crisis oh, loans? Yeah. It used to be text when I never used to give you enough. I couldn't remember that. Just It literally just popped into my head. So I grew up with a typical mum that was not having it. You're not buying anything that isn't from Clark's. Um, <laughs> and that's it. So I suffered through high school when everyone's getting their Adidas torsions and this and that and all that stuff. So mum wasn't buying me a bar of it. So when I did start making money, I remember for some reason, my mom, she, she actually did that. And I was like, you're not getting all this name brand stuff. You're going to wear what's good um, from the high street. But then one day, for some reason, she's like, you know, it's a mark of, it's a real signifier of a lady's um, development that you have an expensive handbag. Mm. So I was a bit like, Okay, this is not what I was brought up with, but okay, because I was a bit of a tomboy. So I don't know if she was trying it, just trying to make me more ladylike. She used to want me to dress like Whitley from um, Different World, like shoulder pads and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, she wanted that look. Yeah, the suit look all the time for no reason. So, but so I think, so there's this Nigerian woman. No, she wasn't Nigerian. She was Ghanaian. <laughs> I don't know why she said she was Nigerian. She was Ghanaian. Sorry. There's a Ghanaian woman who was selling handbags and stuff. So my sister went and bought one, and my mum went and bought one, and I went and bought one. But weren't the bags fake? 
And I remember. <laughs> Why would you think it would be real? Why would you think it would be real? Why? And I think my mum made such a big deal. No, actually, sorry, this is a very hazy memory. This time. It's just coming back to me. I don't even know if my mum bought one. And this is the, this is the thing. I have to have to talk to her about this. I think my sister bought one and I bought one. And I remember that I didn't have the whole entire money, but I was using my whatever wages. I can't remember where I was working, probably hairdressers or something, at my auntie's probably. And I was using that money to pay it off. And I remember a woman started to switch and get vexed because I wasn't paying fast enough. So I was like, this whole long con hustle that you're doing of me. And my mum was like, you better go and pay her. And I'm like, but mum, like she left me out to, I actually, I need to get this story really short. I'm going to actually call my mum today and I would say, mum, do you remember that woman? But yeah, that was my first burn of buying something fake, being pressured into buying something. What was the bag supposed to be? A little bit on bag. And the thing is, it looked, it did look the part, but it was, there was something that was telling like, this ain't real. Because I think I must have used it and someone who knew about brands were like, you know that ain't. That ain't legit. And then, so I got buns. That was my first actual thing that I bought. Sad. Um, that was name brand because I really didn't wasn't I wasn't Are allowed. You sewing lions and tigers on your shirt. Say that again. I said, "Were you sewing lions and tigers on?" No, your I shirt? never did that. I didn't, and I've always What's been like, inside. See you later. No, 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 no. I never did that. I never, I never wanted to fake it either. That's one thing no, I did. I'm really joking because of the bag. Because that, that's ah, uh, I'd be so gutted. You go somewhere, you've got your bag, you think you're all nice, and someone's like, you know that's not real, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, it would hurt, it would hurt. Exactly. Yeah. But no, but just in general, just for name brands, I just was like, I didn't I didn't mind not having it was pressure in school, but then after a while I was a bit like, it doesn't matter, I'm not gonna fake it, I'll just get nice gums. And people kind of by association, because of some of the girls, I think some of you lot as well, because you lot had name brands, it kind of covered the ones that didn't. So girls I remember speaking to someone like in later life, they're like, I thought you were always in name brands, me now. I just look good. I just look good. I didn't have the name brands. I have so, like maybe one piece, one well, little thing, and then everything else is just normal. Yeah. 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 That's the same as now, no? Yeah. Now you mix it up. Yeah. But people just are so assumed that we all dressed in name brands and we definitely didn't. So yeah, wherever that Ghanaian auntie is, I want to know where she is. I don't actually want to know where she is, but she. Oh, was. so you thought the person that that robbed you, yeah, was Nigerian? No, do you know why? <laughs> do you know why? Because there was enough. Do you know why? And, and the attack continues. It's not a stereotype. Because you know why? Oh, it came out of your mouth, though. No, because let me explain. There was an mm -hmm. auntie that used to sell things who was what Nigerian. What we say about in-house arguments, girl? Exactly. So my point was. My point was there was an auntie that used to sell stuff at my auntie's hairdressers who was Nigerian, and that's who I defaulted to. But it wasn't. It was actually, and that's why I clarified. It was a Ghanaian auntie who okay. did that. Okay, that's why yeah, I'm saying. The Nigerian one didn't sell you. No, she didn't. I made that very clear. That it wasn't <laughs> right, and I wasn't defaulting to stereotype at all. It's not even a stereotype in my wheelhouse. So thank you. That's that's to be clear. <laughs> to be very clear to the only Nigerian in the group. I'm very sorry for the implication. It wasn't that. Okay, are, are we moving? Hey, I'm Auntie Shade. You're listening to your aunties could never. It's almost time to wrap up. Before we do, aunties, what's made you sad, mad, or glad? I am sad because I currently have ringing in one ear. It just sounds like this. And in the other ear, I have thumping and it sounds like this. So it's very, very hard to concentrate and it's off-putting and it makes me feel quite ill and emotional. Um, so I'm sad about that. I am mad that my doctors just palmed me off and said, oh, maybe you should join a support group without mm. wanting to look into it any further. When I've looked on my on myself online and there's other things that they can look for, there's other, you know, sources 
especially for the pulsating one. So I'm mad yeah. that that is their solution. I am glad. I was going to say, I've got two. So I'm glad about this new lovely setup of ours. It's just amazing. It's great. Oh. We look fantastic. <laughs> so yes, my aunties, we are coming a long way and I love it. And I love you all. So I'm glad about that. And I'm also glad about my dad because it was his 70th birthday yesterday. And he doesn't look a day over 50. And when we all told him, he was like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Sad. We want to say that again. Still, still, still. Um, mad. I'm not really mad about anything at the moment, to be honest. Other than, no. No, I'm actually not mad about anything. I'm good. Glad. I went to just being able to go out. To be fair, we don't even know how long this is going to last, you know. <laughs> but um, I went to Papa L's dining experience on the weekend and it was amazing. Like, he's a chef who does, I think, like kind of pan African type cuisine. And it's like a tasting menu of eight courses and it was absolutely amazing. And I would recommend everyone should go. It was great. So this week I was sad. It was my cousin's one week um, anniversary since she passed. Oh. So the family got together in one of our family churches in North London and kind of just did a send off for her. So that was quite sad because she was only 58 and she died of a brain tumour. I haven't really been mad at anything, but I was really glad. So on the same event on the Saturday was the first time I think actually in my life, all of my family was in one place together. So my sisters come over from Ghana. So she was there, my eldest brother, him and his family, um, me, my sister, my brother, who were all born here and my mum and dad, because my dad came along as well. So it was the first time we was all in one space together ever in my life. Did you say- oh, We didn't get a picture, but it was nice that that's what happened. That's what I was going to ask if you've got a picture, because it's great when you can have that. But it's, it's such a nice memory to have, isn't it? All of you yeah. in the same space. I'm sad. Why am I sad? I don't know if I'm sad. I don't think I've been sad. No. I was mad at the weekend. Um, it wasn't really too stupid. A lot of mad. But um, Black Pound um, Day was on Saturday. And yeah. it brought out lots of stupid trolls. Really stupid trolls. And I didn't get mad. But it's just like, again... These dumb people like this is racist and just using baseline, really basic cusses and saying like, this is racist. Or what if we had white pound day? And it's all really exactly. And I, I had, and it's just, I mean, it's exactly. It's just, it was just really annoying. It's just, it's just annoying. And so I was mad about that, but I also then made myself glad because I spent time um, trolling them back. It was, and I don't normally engage like that, but it was actually quite fun trolling them back. And then I just blocked everybody. Just there was no need to give them all that energy, but just for the split moment, I was glad to just react to them. But um, yeah, and I'm just also glad for this look, and I'm glad for everyone that's watching, and I'm glad that this is going good, man. Yay. That's it. That's it. That's it. Finished. That's it. Oh no, it's my unpopular opinion. Oh yes. My unpopular <laughs> opinion is that. People who insist that I'm missing out on life because oh. I've never watched. Here we go. Look at them, look at them, look at them already. They're coming for me. They're ready. They're sitting up in their seats. <laughs> who insist that I'm missing out on life because I haven't watched The Wire or Game of Thrones need to get a life. Like, I feel like it's too many seasons have passed. They're both finished now. 
I don't care. I don't need to watch them. I just don't. There's so many other things that I can watch now. I don't care. I don't care about the cultural references. I don't care. You can just tell me what they are, can't you? I don't need to sit there for 10 million hours catching up on a show that's finished that you all say ended shit. You all say that. So why don't I want to watch it? I want to watch it. You've already given it away that it doesn't, it doesn't last as, you know, it's, the it as it's the journey, Auntie Farah. It's the journey. Can't you just tell me what the journey is? That's no. Waste my life watching. No, no. Just tell me, just give me the cliff notes and I'll be good. And on that note, <laughs> thank you guys for watching Your Aunties Could Never. This is episode 28. I guess they want to say bye. Bye, guys. Can we play the outro? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> bye, guys. Can you do bad points? Yeah, just do that one. One I'm sitting on a bad boy piece of information. I'm sitting on a bad boy piece of information. I'm sitting on a bad boy piece And that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad and glad. If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. And that's our show. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never podcast, hosted by The British Blacklist. Please listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other listening platforms. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. See you later. <laughs>